Oh, very good. How are you? Very good indeed. How are you feeling? Ah, I'm I'm feeling okay. It's uh yeah, a, a lot better than this time last week. Uh, it's very good. Very good to hear. How's everything on your side? <coughs> nice, very nice. Good weather. <laughs> nice. It's starting to to get hot. Uh, this is the kind of in-between moment where it's still tolerable, okay. uh, but I think in a couple of weeks it's going to be very, very hot here. But so yeah. far it's nice, even cool in the evening, so it's okay. Um, yeah, and uh, we will wait for the people to join in. We have a lot of interesting things to talk about today. We are recording, right? Let me. Yeah, we are. I see okay. the... That's... That was uh, that was good. I I almost forgot. <laughs> okay, let's give it a couple of more minutes. A lot of interesting things happening all around us. Absolutely. So, let me see. I think <clears throat> before everyone joins, you know, I think the funniest the funniest thing was this Juno accident. Did you hear about that? Juno. Um, no, no, I didn't. Oh, I don't think it's it's an amazing um, um, kind of accident that happened. So Juno is uh, a project, and uh, it's proof of stake. So they decided that uh, there was some whale in their ecosystem who scammed an airdrop. So they decided to take his money away from him, and it was like thirty-six million dollars. I, I do I do recall this now. It was on like a one of the Cosmos. Yes, exactly. Like yeah, yeah. Okay. It's in the Cosmos ecosystem, <laughs> and like, let's start with that. Like, this is in it of itself, kind of very interesting uh, decentralization uh, um, example. But this is like nothing because after they have decided to take away this money they have accidentally sent it to a wrong address, which is actually not accessible. Yeah. And and all of the, like, validators gave it the okay and, and <laughs> sent yeah. it off, right? Yeah. So, so, so they say that it's reversible in a way that next uh, voting period or something, they will be able to move it back or something like that. But uh, uh, it was kind of a shit show of an unbelievable proportions. Um, yeah, it's wi widely covered. I will I will send probably a link on Twitter later about the... Uh, there's a Coindesk article about it, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that, that was uh, kind of the one of the top uh, things that happened this week in terms of uh, um, mistakes <laughs> on uh, like so many levels. Yeah, I mean, cra like, funny that they're like blocking it, or uh, I mean, I don't want to say stealing, but stealing, <laughs> or like freezing, freezing the funds from the guy. And yeah, it's, even it's like uh, <laughs> even if, if even if it's your keys, it could still be not your funds if the ecosystem, you know, yeah. is not diversified um, enough. Yeah, reminds me reminds me a bit of like a banking system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and not in a good way. Yeah, crazy. Good times. I, <laughs> I, I, I saw the guy like the, had his funds frozen or whatever, and and he tweeted about the he tweeted about like the mistake that they'd made, and and his pretty much his his leaving was like LOL, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> oh yeah, I, totally. Oh, listen, your $36 million are currently in an account that cannot be accessed by anyone. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, what else uh, interesting happened? Um, there was this uh, strange event with uh, the UST, which is uh, one of the, now it's, I think, top three stable coins. This is the... USD stablecoin from Luna, is that right? Yep, that's the one. Nice. So somebody uh, somebody sold a large amount of, uh, and uh, uh, it went a little bit, like a little bit, like below a one dollar um, peg. So it went down to zero point nine nine two, and uh, for some reason it caused a panic that caused Luna to drop like fourteen percent. So it was. Also very weird, and uh, I don't think it will uh, have a long-term effect on the ecosystem. But uh, it was still kind of very harsh reaction to to the situation. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit fragile. Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, they'll manage. They have a lot of funds. Yeah, they they seem to have like a a peg by millions of dollars. <laughs> If if it loses peg, they seem to have a, a fair bit of buying power to bring it back out. <laughs> yep. Anything else uh, you noticed of interest? Um, that was about it. One of one of the things that I do find really interesting in times like this, when the stable coin becomes slightly less stable and, and this kind of thing, is how exactly Curve works, which I have no idea still, but I always find it, I always find it very fascinating. I mentioned that the, the peg went down to 0.99 something, mm -hmm. uh, but like the if you look on the Curve pull, the, I forget the curve three pull or curve four pull or whatever. Uh, if you look on the pull, like the the very different than it would be on, for example, Uniswap. Uh, and I think it got down. I have a picture here somewhere, but I'm not going to be able to find it. It got down to like thirty thirty percent of the pull was not UST or or something like this. And I always find this this more fascinating than like the oh here i found it, it was, the pool consists of 73 percent ust uh with the rest of it being the three curve and i always find it super fascinating like how curve works and that it maintains peg for like or at least maintains very close to the peg even though the the balance of the pool is is very skewed to one side um, yeah, because it's like two different mechanisms. And I think situations like these uh, create opportunities for arbitrage where you have a like one pool being very unbalanced. So this is ideally in, in like health ecosystem, this is the opportunity for arbitrageurs to come in and uh, uh, balance it back and make some profit in, in the process. 
So at least that's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, I think we should get started with uh, our main topics tonight. And um, the first one I would like to talk about is the uh, upcoming vote on the reduction uh, of the emission price for new confidential assets on BIM, uh, which is going to be uh, in effect after the hard fork 7.0. And um, it's a very important issue. Uh, and before we like get into the specifics, I would like to give a little bit of background about BIM confidential assets and how it works and what is like the meaning of this fee that we're currently talking about reducing. So um, BIM supports an ability to create new types of assets. And unlike, let's say, Ethereum or many other chains, this ability is not implemented through smart contracts. Actually, it was added before we had smart contracts on BIM. It's actually a fully kind of layer one feature of the node. So the node supports this uh, ability within like using just a node command or just a special transaction to do it. Now, uh, the benefit of this is that BIM confidential assets are exactly as confidential as BIM, which means that when you are sending either a BIM or an, any other asset type, your transaction is confidential by default, um, including just like in BIM, no addresses on the blockchain and all of the amounts are encrypted. And even the type of the asset is actually hidden and uh, so there is a differentiation between Beam and all of the other assets. But when you send a transaction with an asset, you don't specify which assets you're using. Rather, you're using a zero-knowledge proof to say that you're spending like one of the available assets. And uh, uh, in this case, it's not even possible to know what is being sent, like which assets. So it's very, very good in terms of confidentiality. Um, however, this proof depends on the amount of uh, assets in the ecosystem. And when we have added this ability, we didn't have smart contracts back then. So it was just like only a wallet could have created type. And we thought that we would love to avoid uh, just people, you know, just creating a lot of assets for fun because without smart contracts, it would have been kind of not exactly useless, but limited in its uh, uh, abilities anyway. And thus, what we have done at that point, we have added this 3,000 BIM um, deposit fee, which you pay when you create a new asset type, when you register a new asset type. And once you, like, if you want to get back to this deposit, the deposit is refundable, uh, but only if you have destroyed the asset type. And in order to destroy the asset type, you needed to collect all of the assets emitted and burn them. So in practical terms, if you really use the assets, obviously, you probably could not have uh, collected them all back, right? So it's just in cases where you have created an asset and uh, either didn't do anything with it or just play with it a little bit, you could have burned the, the asset type and uh, uh, get got your deposit back. However, when we have added uh, BIM Virtual Machine last year, and with that came the ability to create new assets through smart contracts and not directly from the wallet, so this situation changed significantly because now, as you know, all of the applications that we're currently uh, thinking about, such as uh, decentralized exchanges and pools, they do create asset types with uh, LP tokens or stable tokens or any other kind of uh, new assets. So 
this 3,000 bean deposit became an obstacle. And uh, we have decided to uh, kind of ask the community what they think about the idea of reducing this price. Yeah. And this is what this vote is, is going to be about. Um, so tomorrow we're going to publish like more details exactly about the process, how this vote is going to happen. In the meantime, there is there have been a lot of great discussions on our forum uh, about this and uh, some ideas that were uh, proposed and raised. And uh, I would like to um, discuss some of them today. Uh, you, you're you're there on the forum, like helping answer questions as well. Yeah, there's there's been like some really good and and interesting ideas and approaches to to the CA reduction. And like from from what I've read of the forum, most of the people are like for reducing the amount, given like where we're at, uh, the reasons that it was initially set so high, and and how things have changed since then. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the the vote is actually uh, going to be kind of twofold. Uh, from one perspective, we are talking about the amount, whether it should be like 100 beam or 500 beam or less or more. But uh, so, uh, it's um, uh, going to be about how these fees are used because we can either keep them just like they are today, uh, which is refundable deposit, uh, but Everybody understands that if you use a token, there is very little chance of ever collecting it back anyway. Or we yeah. can make it a fee for the miner on that specific transaction, which creates a new asset type, which means that whenever you want to create a new asset type, so the transaction fee for that specific type of transaction is higher uh, than you know regular usual BIM transaction. Yeah. So this is kind of uh, the two different options that we have. And, and one thing one thing that's worth mentioning that was brought up on the forum by a few people, and, and this was the idea of having a cost be more denominated in US dollars rather than in Beam, and to do so would need an Oracle and this kind of stuff. And and from like our discussions, and, and we have thought, but it, it seems like an overly complex, uh, an overly complex kind of idea that will add risk and like attack vectors and further issues that that we haven't even identified yet. All for like very little gain, at least in in my opinion. Yeah. So um, it is a good idea, um, but however, technically at this point, like uh, I do feel that. Like, I agree with you. I think it's uh, a little bit difficult to implement well uh, for several reasons. First of all, uh, external oracles, uh, as great as they are, they always uh, add a point of centralization. Yeah. And um, this is like one, one consideration. The other consideration is like, even if we uh, try to make it algorithmic based on smart contract, because it's a layer one functionality and it's not... Uh, dependent on smart contract execution, it's actually built right into the node. 
uh, it will be much more complicated to control this weight. So yes, the DAO can always vote to chamber. And uh, at this point, it does require hard fork. Um, we can think about mechanisms which are more kind of versatile than that, uh, but not in this kind of current time frame. So at this point, I think we will try to like, understand what is the optimal number for now, like, which will, will be uh, like good enough for spam protection, but not too high as to uh, limit or prohibit anyone from creating a new asset type. And uh, uh, also whether this is going to go to the miners or uh, be a deposit that will be locked in the system. So these are kind of the two main considerations. And um, please stay tuned. So um, tomorrow we're going to publish more details about how this vote is going to uh, be conducted. Uh, we don't have yet deployed uh, our, our voting platform, so it will be uh, still an off-chain vote, probably the last one. Um, but uh, it's very important for us to get your opinion on the subject and, uh, you know, in either channel that you are using to communicate with us, Telegram, Twitter, forum or whatever, uh, please uh, do. And with that, uh, if anyone has any sort of suggestions now, it's also a good opportunity to talk about that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you have any questions or, or th thoughts you want to share, please request now and, and we'll open up the mic for you. <clears throat> okay. In the meantime, while we're waiting for questions, uh, so I noticed that we have uh, Mr. Known Unknown with us and he has this fancy hexagonal Twitter uh, NFT thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was, it was kind of interesting because uh, I, I was talking to some of my friends and they asked me like uh, about it. And uh, uh, what they asked is whether I can know um, like the exact NFT by clicking on the profile. And so, yeah, I checked. Uh, and turns out, yes, you can. Uh, when you click on the NFT profile, it opens this kind of pane to the right, which explains exactly which network it was minted on and what is the contract, and also uh, gives you a link to uh, OpenSea for some reason, <laughs> where you can see not only this specific NFT, but also all the other NFTs that this person is holding. Uh, and... <laughs> When it's combined uh, with usually or cases with the ENS name, uh, you can basically know exactly what this person is doing, every single uh, block of, of the chains that he's trading on, which is kind of, uh, in my opinion, an issue. It's kind of, it's kind of spooky. I mean, and like can be like uh, more spooky as well. There was, there was one like theoretical thing that I saw someone post on Twitter about like finding someone's address and 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 then sending them an NFT of a picture of their house or something like this, and I thought this this would be so like uh, freaky and also dangerous for like the person. Yeah, uh, it, it, it was um, it was like uh, the thing. I, I... Just like in the beginning of the NFT, some large organization purchased uh, some, so people like airdrop them a lot of kind of uh, 
weird and shitty things and yeah. uh, you know just just to show that oh look they also own uh, this strange this strange thing yeah it's, it's very like you can't control it right so somebody knows your address and now it's in your twitter right so anybody clicks on that and goes to your collection and say oh okay i thought that person was normal but i see that he's collecting very interesting things here <laughs> yeah I, actually i i have a very funny example of this from very recently I I purchased some weird NFT. I'm not even going to say what it was. I mean, it, not super weird, but like a, a, a strange one. And then I was having a conversation with my girlfriend and, and I was saying something, I think I was talking about buying a TV. And I said, no, this 5,000 wow. pound TV is too expensive. And, and she turned and said, what about these NFTs you bought? <laughs> And I thought, oh no! <laughs> and she'd she'd obviously like uh, looked at my wallet or OB account or whatever, and and, <laughs> and seen these recent purchases and, <laughs> in an attempt to to make some money trading NFTs that went terribly wrong. But but I thought that, <laughs> I thought I should probably I should probably get a new Ethereum wallet after that. <laughs> Most likely, yeah. And don't link it to your Twitter. Yeah, no. it's like, oh no, baby, it's, this is completely different. This is this is art. This is something else. Like yeah, this is art. We can hang it on the wall. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's crazy. So um, ENS, by the way, in, in it of itself, uh, is this Ethereum naming kind of um, system. So it's becoming very popular and. Uh, uh, Amir, you try to to purchase something like you, you say that most of the names are already gone, right? Yeah, if well, it's divided. If you look at three character names, yeah, ninety something percent of them are gone. Four character names, you still have a lot of opportunities and good names. And the more you go, the more availability and less it costs. But it's it's really picking up. And have of course the same privacy issues. You see, so many people changing the Twitter name to .if, and basically you see all their holdings, all their NFTs, all your all their financial activity, which is completely broken. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's so, like, for, for me, it's strange. Like, when I see somebody's doing that, I'm like, why, why would you do that? So I, I understand the, you know, uh, the need to show off a little, but, like, I, I really hope they have a specific account for that and uh, don't use it for everything, because... This would just be uh, redundant, in my opinion. So speaking of which, <clears throat> um, we are going to try to build a uh, confidential ENS on BIM. Uh, it's not kind of an announcement right now. We are going to research that, obviously, and uh, create some kind of proof of concept. But it seems from the, some like preliminary discussions that I had today that it will be possible. And uh, the difference will be that you will have a public uh, ID, a public name that you will be able to register. But then uh, anyone can use it to send you something, but no one will be able to see all of the other transfers that you have received to this identity. And in my opinion, if we manage to do that, it would be really awesome privacy feature and application to add to Beam network uh, and can be very useful and definitely much more private than the current solution. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can definitely see, like, the appeal of people signing up for the ENS names and this kind of, I mean, you have an easy-to-remember address that you can see people that doesn't freak them out with a big string of characters or, or whatever. Uh, easy to remember and more friendly. And But like you mentioned the on the Ethereum and, and on the other chains that lack privacy, I mean, it's it's very, very scary as to like how much information you give up if you have such a, a public address on your Twitter or this kind of thing. Like in terms of um, like, yeah, so in, in terms of like where it can be used, I think NFT is just like very kind of like in, in general, uh, basic uh, example, but uh, as Web3 technology and applications develop, I think you will really use this for a lot of different things. And uh, it's going to become almost ubiquitous and like, just like the dot-com domains today, like nobody even thinks about it, right? You, you use it automatically and you don't even uh, like consider how it works. But uh, if this domain at the same time links together all of your financial transactions with your NFT transactions and with other operations that you are doing in a way that they can be all automatically simply, uh, you know, presented and uh, uh, uncovered, I think it, it it really won't work like for, for most people. But then if you do have several wallets, like one with the ENS or like more kind of public stuff and then the other one without or different stuff, so it's going to complicate uh, an already complicated process and it's not going to work. So I do think that there should be a solution that allows you to kind of use this anywhere you want, but with more safety and privacy and without kind of uh, worrying that now everybody knows like everything you just by clicking on one name. Yeah, exactly. And I think like one thing that many people miss is like now, they think now it's not an issue, but because like the chain is transparent for, for many cases, it doesn't necessarily have to be now that it's an issue because it's going to be there forever. So someone can come back in, in a few years or when more like technology is, has sort of advanced and, and even more public information about who you are sending money to and receiving it from and this kind of stuff would be, be still there, obviously. Yeah, speaking of uh, uh, what you just mentioned, like if, if somebody sends you something you don't want, yeah. And even if you send it back or whatever you are doing, <laughs> yeah. the, rec the, the record of that fact is still there for, for all eternity and you, you cannot do anything about it. And, you know, in, in a few years, go explain, oh, no, that was, you know, somebody just airdropped me this. Uh, like, oh, yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really a problem. Yeah, definitely. So it, it, it's really interesting. Uh, I was, it was funny. I was visiting my parents and uh, uh, my mother looked like, said, uh, you know, your avatar in Telegram, um, I heard these things are worth a lot of money these days, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, mom, not, not this specific one. Uh, yeah, but, but, but at least you cannot see what else I have, right? But she, she didn't get it, obviously, but that was the joke. <laughs> 
Um, it, it was it was actually an interesting uh, kind of evening uh, because they asked me about what we're doing and you know things like that. And obviously, like I can't really explain too much of it, but uh, I, I really wanted to try. <laughs> so I tried to uh, explain in a few words what Web three means, and then at some point. My father says, like, wait a minute, but it's, it's exactly like going back to the uh, time we didn't have internet, right? So you, you say, like, everything should be, like, local and decentralized and uh, the data should belong to you. But, yeah, but that's that's how it was before it was connected to the internet, right? You you had your PC, not the way maybe you had a modem and connected to some BBS services. But everything was or your, like, 120 megabyte hard drive or whatever it was. And I'm like... Uh, yeah, but not exactly, right? So it's not like exactly we're going back to 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 this era before everything was connected. It's still connected, but you are kind of more in control of how this information is treated, who holds it, right? Who can do something with it? So this is more about that, not exactly you know cutting the cord. True. Yeah. Back before there were, I guess, no big uh, like cloud computing and, and sort of taken off in, in more recent years. For yeah, but in, in some ways it does, it does go kind of um, in, in a circle because the cloud computing made, in addition to a lot of benefits in terms of kind of costs of running your own servers versus just renting some, uh, which is, in my opinion, very important because now anyone with a laptop can start a software company or a product and just it on Amazon or any other service and pay very little until there are actually customers who use the product and then scale up. So it's something that was not possible before because they needed to buy servers, you needed to install themselves somewhere, pay, pay for the traffic in advance. But on the other hand, this uh, idea that the data is completely outside of your like control and you really don't know uh, how it is used and who can like tomorrow you can kind of lose access because of either censorship or any other problem uh, and you don't have too much alternative uh, to even consider so that's that's kind of becoming an issue these days uh, just today i saw um some tweets about uh, some uh, uh, Web3 and crypto accounts being removed from YouTube, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I saw this also. And uh, I think it's, like, I think it's back any... Okay. They, it, they it was Bankless, one of the biggest podcasts, mm -hmm. most popular podcast in the past, I don't know, few months. And yeah, it became fully dark, but now I see it's up again. So probably it was uh, some, not not even human error, I think. Yeah, but, you know, it's like, first of all, I'm glad that they're back and uh, definitely. And I also hope they're compensated for lost revenue. But um, it's still kind of, I don't know, not really nice. Like you have to, if, if your entire business and your like entire kind of you know, revenue stream depends on this content that you're creating and suddenly you lose this ability, um, it's, it's, it's an issue. However, it's not an issue that is simple to fix. Like it's not something that you can do by just installing house or even connecting some, uh, you know, nodes in the network because of the amount of traffic uh, and the amount of uh, servers and computing power that you need to 
provide support these kind of applications, um, I think it's quite a lot. Uh, and this is exactly the challenge, like one of the key challenges that we will see in the Web3 world, right? So how, how to decide which parts of the system should be decentralized and which should be uh, hosted centrally. Like caching obviously should be central because they're not the source of truth, they're just caching, right? So you, you should be able to get access to the information quicker. I'm yep. talking like uh, CDN and similar services. Um, but two days ago, I think it was, I saw something very interesting. Somebody complained um, that someone took their code from GitHub and just re-uploaded I mean. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah. It was some, some project. I don't remember exact name. Uh, and... Uh, and like not now, what do you do, right? So yeah. there is no proof of. So maybe there is some proof of original like ownership, but now you have to go to GitHub and argue, right? And in the meantime, somebody else is uh, uh, basically using your, you know, code under their name. It's classic plagiarism. Yeah, I mean, this is this is it comes back to this thing that's come up a little bit in like a different context, but but also like very relatable is like a source of truth and like all the stuff going on with Twitter being purchased by Elon Musk. And now everyone's worried about disinformation and the truth and how to, how do we find the truth and who's deciding the truth? And I mean, this is something that blockchains, at least in terms of like timing is very good at. Uh, Absolutely. And, and and I think that us will really step up there in terms of like uh, having having this all more decentralized and this kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think we talked about it with, with Rascal, I don't know, two years ago, uh, proof of origin, because sometimes I go into, into websites to read some article and there is not even a date on it, right? So they decided not to put, it's like dateless. Right, never yeah. gets old, and uh, it's not a simple task to find out when that article was written. Actually, yeah, it's it's super difficult, like to find the, and I've seen lots of this, like on online recently about like the, I forget what they call themselves, like open source Intel network people that are like trying to to find like the origin of different photos or videos and this kind of thing and like for for an an average individual like myself it's it's near impossible to sort of find the the original of of a lot of these things i i totally agree <laughs> not to mention the fact that with today's technology you can fake things that you would never have believed possible yeah yeah this is crazy yeah no so so this is exactly these things that i think that like blockchain and Web3 technologies, which do provide these capabilities very easily, like this it should be definitely one of the key, uh, you know, uses, at least for that, right? Because like otherwise uh, you, you get lost in the sea of information like you are today yeah. cases. Um, another thing is uh, about identity and how like... Uh, your identity is reflected in what you're doing online and like in terms of sometimes you do want to 
you know, let other people know that it's you. Sometimes you don't. Like, it's, it's up to you, obviously. But uh, um, whether we're talking about, like, article authors or, like, creators. By the way, this is this is something that uh, uh, in the NFT world is very well done. Like, you, you can always see who created this, just it was. Yeah. You don't necessarily know, like, the exact person, but you do know that these, like, works were created by this artist. And, uh, like, I, I think... It's easier. Like I, I do. Like uh, I see a lot of accounts and projects that are, are uh, uh, you know, trying to uh, find these uh, people who like replicate other people's job and steal, you know, like steal ideas and steal implementations and the design. So it's easier when you know the exact block height at which it was minted um, and like where the origin was and what time. So it's kind of more simpler to do that. True. Cool. Do we have any anyone uh, with any or anyone who wanted to say something? Because if not, we will uh, just uh, you know talk about other things. Any questions? <clears throat> we have one request coming in from Roscoe. That's good. Hello, hello. Hello. Hey. Um, I just wanted to put a shout out for my uh, bounty that I've got going on. Um, we're looking for um, anybody to um, compile a, an article that um, compares Beam with um, any list of, of what is known as top privacy coins. Um, obviously, um, in a in a... Uh, in a sense that um, to compare really more than anything else um, you can see that tweet on my timeline um, or uh, in the in the telegram channels there's a few BMX to to be earned if anybody's up for writing that so it's funny you should mention it because uh, just earlier today I was talking to uh, Dima Bonder who is working with us as a uh, chief tokenomist or like somebody who really understands well all the tokenomics issues and like I, I don't know if that's exactly what you had in mind but he is currently on uh, a comparison or like more like statistical analysis of beam price uh, over the last like three something years of, of, of the existence uh, and uh, I will definitely send you the materials like even in the draft form before he publishes it. But uh, he did reach an interesting conclusion that uh, Beam is, uh, uh, let's say, not very correlated with uh, Ethereum, let's say, right? So it's kind of a good uh, asset to diversify with, right? So um, this is like one of the conclusions that he reached. And he compared it, uh, the price to, I think, also Bitcoin. And uh, he also compared volatility between Beam and uh, Monero and Zcash uh, over the last year. So uh, at least at least in the statistical kind of analysis, we'll have some uh, uh, results that he'll provide soon in, in an article. Cool. That sounds really interesting. Dima's articles are always uh, well worth a read anyway. Um, he's done a few for us there. So. Yep. Um 
so the, I, I was actually like uh, a little bit surprised because uh, the, according to his analysis, uh, BIM is kind of a stable coin in a way. <laughs> Not like, uh, not really stable, but uh, um, more less volatile than than some other actors yeah, out there. Like I, I like when it's not volatile down. Like I would love it to be more volatile up, but you know that's something else. <laughs> I have a question relating to this: Will will source or will something else sort of enable? such bounties like Rascal is offering to be done via a DAP or similar? Absolutely, yeah. So source, uh, one of the key kind of uh, feature verticals that is considering is uh, actually related to funding, which means like donations and bounties. Um, yeah, that's for sure. It's not going to be the prime focus of, of, of source at, at first, but in general, I think, yeah, it's, it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's a, lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that can be, can be done and, and contributed from, like, within the project's community, but outside the, the main teams and this kind of thing. And, and I think that's a, a great kind of addition to what source will already offer. Totally. I think the, 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 this would actually be a good integration for, you know, for Twitter or similar services, right? So you can ask a question and then set a bound on the answer True. without having to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, source will definitely do it. We have a question from Joe S in Telegram. Will the team create a DAP? that allows for the creation of a confidential asset. Most use the, most don't use the CLI wallet. Uh, okay, I think I've, I've seen Joe bring this up in the chat a few times, and he is talking about like an easy interface that you can spin up a, a confidential asset with that is very like uh, user-friendly rather than using the CLI wallet. Uh, great question. <laughs> um, so the way uh, it, it went down historically was that when we have created this feature um, and we didn't have smart contracts, the idea was like you only create an asset, a new asset type every once in a while. And uh, that's why it's not kind of a feature that at that time uh, was considered to be used by a lot of users, you know, often, which is why we left it in this kind of command line world level back then. Uh, when you create new asset types through, by the way, like through uh, adding, let's say, a pair uh, to like a pool uh, in in like in the DEX, uh, obviously you're using uh, the DEX uh, DAP interface, right? So you you don't need CLI to to do that. Uh, you just add, let's say, a couple of uh, new assets and you create a new pair. So you want to create an LP token for it, uh, and it's done through the contract. Uh, but Today, this question is, uh, I think, um, like re really, you know, well-timed because... Um, so when you create a new asset type using a wallet, you are the owner. 
of this of this asset. You do need to be able to provide kind of an explanation what it's about, what are the rules, um, or or if you are creating it through the contract or the application that you have developed yourself, uh, then uh, you need to provide an explanation what this application does, so people can use it in their in their like in their wallets and understand it. So uh, I don't know. Still, I'm kind of not sure it's 100% justified to develop it as the UI wallet feature. But good question. We 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 should definitely raise it and think about it. It's uh, not the first time it came up, by the way. So it was it was kind of discussed, but we need to yeah. understand exactly what the use cases are. Sorry. Yeah, sorry for cutting you off. I kind of echoed he, uh, Joe's suggestion because I also saw it in the chat and. While initially it made a lot of sense, and it's going to be nice to have or cool to have, but you, when you think about the fathers, like at the end, if it's hard for you to mint uh, a CA on a CLI, it's going to be very challenging for you to make something meaningful out of this CA. Uh, and combining that with the fact that soon CA will probably be cheaper, it's basically a great tool to start any project, but it's a great tool to just spam the network in a very easy way. Not that I'm too concerned about it, but I think the risks are higher than the like the value it will add in a way, uh, because it's basically it's a feature that is not aimed for developers; it's aimed for users and user regular users, and those will not necessarily develop out of the CA other than minting the CA. Um, I, I do want. I'm going to finish it. I do think that we have a growing of like DAO tools uh, we want to to publish. This is will be probably like this will be one of them. Yep, I I, I agree. So um, yeah, that's the situation. Any other questions so far? Okay. I'm I'm officially out of topics. I I have a question. <laughs> I have a question, kind of related. Uh, what do you see as like the or in terms of confidential assets that will be issued on Beam? Which do you see as being the most interesting? Um. So, uh, you know, for sure, any breached confidential assets, obviously, because uh, you will be able to have your existing value and transfer to BIM and trade it confidentially. Uh, I think that LP tokens can be also um, confidential assets. Like, basically, any, uh, any asset, even if, if it was initially created uh, inside a contract, can be converted into a new type of uh, confidential asset, including NFTs. Uh, we, we have discussed it back in, like, in the day. It's not a feature that we currently have, and I'm not sure it will be uh, added to the first version of the new NFT gallery, uh, but you have this ability to take NFT out of the contract, converted into a like, unique type of confidential asset, which only exists in one instance, uh, and then trade it confidentially. So uh, I think that uh, the example I used back then was when you buy uh, a picture from like a museum, then you bring it home and put it in your vault, 
and then you like sell it to some other kind of private person who puts it in his world. And then at some point, somebody puts it back in the museum or in the gallery, so it can be sold like publicly. Uh, so this is something that uh, is only possible on Beam because of this unique combination, this hybrid approach that allows us to convert UTXOs into contract and back. Um, I don't know how like widely used it will be, but I think that at, at least in NFTs, but I think in many other cases it will be used widely. Um, like the ability that to take something like some value out of the contract, convert it into a new type of asset and trade it or like store it confidentially. Um, almost anything that, that has value, I think should be a CA. I, I think like uh, it'll be very interesting to be able to trade like the bridged over assets and this kind of stuff. I think this will be a huge use case for Ben. I mean, what we were talking about earlier with like the UST and this kind of stuff uh, and and in one of the internal chats, people were sharing some links about like transactions that were being made kind of uh, while the the depegging was kind of going on. And it will be very, at least for me, it will be very interesting with trading going on, but you not being able to see exactly like the the movements in the background. Yeah, and and you you definitely will not be able to uh, do what Juno did, is basically. <laughs> yeah, and that that's, that should not be allowed. Yeah. Um, we both talk about trading use cases. One of the major use cases I can see, probably not in the near future, is bridge governance token from, let's say, Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, whatever, and use Beam voting to vote privately. Like voting should be private and nowhere in the space, almost nowhere in the space, you have even the ability to, to, to vote privately. And I think bridge asset with voting rights is also outside of Beam. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and it can be, in fact, like it can be even um, uh, like almost kind of transparent for, for like for some cases. So you don't even need to kind of necessarily need to, um, you know, do uh, any explicit bridging. You can bridge this implicitly like from, from the back end and then conduct the vote on, on confidential chain. I think it's also possible. But yeah, for sure. Oh, have another question from from Joe S in Telegram. Could you talk a little bit about the AMM and the high high frequency transactions and how this will work on Beam? Uh, yeah. So um, the idea is that whenever you do you're doing a trade. Um, you're basically uh, having some effect on the current state of the pool. And uh, if you are sending your transaction and then you you have to wait to, for the block to be mined on Beam, uh, which takes one minute on average, but we know that it can be like more or less, um, and you only know the result of your transaction, like what effect it had uh, exactly only after the block is mined, and then you can kind of take the next step or make the next decision uh, it's not going to be good enough for efficient and uh, quick like trading that you would expect from a from a DeFi platform. Uh, 
So the idea of the high-frequency transactions is to allow you to make your decision even before the next block is mined by analyzing the state of the mempool at this moment when you are sending your transaction and putting additional conditions on your transaction. So you are saying, okay, I want to be after this transaction that I currently see. And uh, if this transaction for some reason is not going into the next block, I don't want my transaction to be in there either because my calculations or like my trade uh, is uh, dependent on that transaction before me. So you can make these decisions quite faster as the mempool evolves before the block is mined. And it is up to the application and to, the, to whoever writes the, the DAP to uh, use this mechanism. So it's not like automatically done by the system, right? The app that is uh, managing this specific AMM is the one responsible for this business logic of analyzing like what it can, should do and what it shouldn't do, right? That um, just to give an example, let's say you have this uh, max slippage that you set, right? This, this is like, by the way, one of the interesting uh, problems I would say in, in Ethereum pools that uh, sometimes people don't exactly understand the meaning of slippage and they think that's basically the price impact that they're doing when they're trading. So when they do large trades, they increase the slippage and that allows minor extractable value. But the idea is that when you're analyzing like what parameters to set on your trade, you take into consideration the current state of the mempool and not just the mine blocks. And this allows you to make decisions much quicker. And if for some reason your kind of chain Right? because now the mempool becomes this sort of a tree and your subtree with your transaction is not going in, uh, you can see that when the block is mined and you can then update your decisions accordingly. But at least you will not be in a situation when you thought the conditions were like something and they were in, in, in fact completely different. I, I really hoped it made, made sense, uh, turned out a little bit uh, complicated. Definitely add some color to it. Uh, I think <laughs> this, as as soon as the talk gets too technical, my my brain is, struggles to keep up. But I think that like the the AMM on on Beam and also with the confidential assets and confidential assets is going to be very like interesting times. Yeah, it's going to be amazing, and it's not very very far like oh it's, it's it's actually sooner than than we think it's, it's coming nice do we have any more questions in this case i think we can wrap this one up Absolutely, yeah. And and before we go, I will remind everyone about the the confidential asset one, the the forum post that's discussing about the reduction. If you haven't yet, head to the the forum and, and throw some thoughts out. And also, the vote will most likely confirmation tomorrow will most likely be happening on the forum. Uh, as as said, it will be the last, like uh, most likely the last off chain vote that we have, uh, and and it's happening this way, given that it needs to happen before the hard fork, and and uh, voting won't be live until the hard fork. Uh, 
uh, we will have details on how exactly to or how exactly the voting will be taking place tomorrow uh, and I will share in the newsletter so prepare for that accordingly right so thanks for joining and uh, don't forget to vote and we'll see you next week as usual absolutely see you next week Thank you very much. Thanks, Jess. Bye, guys. Yeah. Bye. Have a good evening.